Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw. First down. Leaps And Raja Bell. Saw the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What is going on? It is Monday morning. This is Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Rajah Bell. We got a big show to get to, a ton of stuff, a huge weekend. We had a huge trade in baseball. We almost had a malice in the palace situation in Jacksonville. Uh, a ton of stuff. The, the NFL clearly dominated the news. But first, how are you feeling, man? Because you were out Friday, yeah. had the flu. Yeah. You were puking all night, but you're good now? I am. I don't think it was a flu. I think it was like one 24-hour like stomach bug, but yeah. it was uh, – it was brutal. It, it was, was brutal. brutal. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then I had a brutal weekend on top of it, like energy wise. So right. I'm, I'm hanging on by a thread. Right. Do you now. ever? Do you feel? So you were puking, right? Oh, I, both ends. Did you ever yeah. feel? So I've. Actually, <laughs> 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 no, no, we needed to know that. But there's sometimes there's a feeling that I get when I get sick, and I don't. I puking is probably my worst. Like I, I cannot stand more than anything in life. If you said, "What do you not want to do?" It's throwing up, yeah. right? But after it's all said and done. There's a part of me that's like, man, I'm, my abs look pretty good. I'm a little sore. <laughs> I gotta, yeah, honestly, because I just I started dieting and doing the Orange Theory about a, yeah. a two weeks ago, and I got a little kickstart, a little helper. Yeah. <laughs> See, there, it's like a cleanse. Yeah. It was like a cleanse, cleanse. One way to do it. Uh, all right, so you're back now. It's good because I had to do this show solo. It was not the same you without me? you. I did, all I right. did. So, but it was good. To, uh, it's good to have you back. Um, all right, man, let's get into it because the NFL was crazy, probably the best weekend of action that we had all season long. So let's do like we do every Monday to start it off with what we learned. We've got a lot to cover and time is short. All right, the Philadelphia Eagles went to L.A. in what seemed like a home game for them. We learned not much about the game itself, but we learned that unfortunately for the NFL, injuries continue to define this NFL season. Yeah, that really sucks. Eagles are reporting it is a left knee injury. He is done for today. We do not know the severity of the knee injury. But I can tell you, as I was standing back by that Eagles locker room, all the support staff that was back there with Carson Wentz all walked out just shaking their head. That was Aaron Andrews. Brutal, brutal news for the Philadelphia Eagles as Carson Wentz goes down with what they're expecting to be an ACL. I don't think you've ever seen one where they said, oh, it's not as bad as you think. Anytime they test the knee out and it's, it's there, they just know. They just, it's the MRI formalizes things, but you saw it. You said it real quick. It does suck. Yeah, it sucks. Um, you know, it's just a, such a fragile thing, right? Like that health, every team that wins a championship, when people ask me like what the recipe for it is, like clearly you gotta be a good team. But there's a lot of luck involved with teams that win championships. And a big part of that luck is avoiding the injury bug. Um, and especially to a player that's as important as Carson Wentz. And, you know, I had never really sat and really, really watched him. Like, I watch football kind of like red zone now, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I'll watch the red zone before I watch a full game. So I'm not really getting to watch a guy, you know, through three, four quarters of football. I mean, he is. He's fantastic. Like, he's a bad man. Like, just... You know, really good in the pocket, never really seems to get rattled. And then he's got this elusiveness, kind of like a la Russell Wilson. Like, he's got some escapability where he can get outside the pocket and make plays there, too. And, you know, I know you plug in Nick Foles and he's had some great seasons, but I don't think you, I don't think you overcome an injury like that. Yeah, I think they still have a chance. I felt like they were, and I, I felt like this team was the best team in the NFC in a really crowded NFC where there's a lot of good teams. I agree with you. I mean, the, the season that he's having, 33 touchdowns, only seven interceptions, it leads the NFL. But I don't think it's devastating for them. And I think all you have to do is look across the NFC and look at the Vikings, who are the team they're competing with for that top spot. 
And look at what they're doing with Case Keenum. Like Case Keenum, if you would have said coming into the season, who would you rather have as a backup, Case Keenum or Nick Foles? Yeah. I think you might go with Nick Foles. Mm-hmm. He showed you in 2013, he had 27 touchdowns, only two interceptions, one of the best seasons. Like it was, it's one of the craziest anomalies in all of football history. Like the guy right. that could come out and have that type of year and then kind of fall off the map again and become this career backup that he's become. But what, what impressed me more than that was what he did yesterday when he came in the game because he, there was no drop off. I thought Doug Peterson showed a ton of confidence in. There was a third and eight late in the game when a lot of teams would have ran it and said, Hey, defense. He completed the pass yep. in a tight window. So I don't think they're going to be as bad off as people think they're going to be. Now, obviously, it's a huge drop. I mean, Carson Wentz is having a phenomenal season. He, this team is built around him. The mobility thing is interesting, though, because one of the biggest knocks on him when he runs around yep. is he's got to protect himself. Now, I don't think he could have done anything. I thought that was a – that's a play. If there's a touchdown on the line, you kind of risk it. You, you go take get it. that dive. And it didn't look that bad. The way it was kind of sideways hit, but it, watching it live, there was a it was a full speed collision. You're like, whoa! It was like the Willis McGahee shot in the Fiesta Bowl, but mm-hmm. but not to the degree. Like you had you had one defender coming in one way and the other, and you could just see the knee just wiggle a little bit. And I mean, you know, your dad was an orthopedic surgeon. Like that's all it takes for that ACL to to go. The reason I think that they don't overcome the loss of Wentz now. It's not because I don't think Nick Foles is capable, but there's timing involved with injuries like that. And so you alluded to the to the Minnesota Vikings. Mm-hmm. That happened in the preseason. Yeah. Like they knew that they were going in with Case Keenum. There were time for the troops to rally around him, relationships to be built. And I, and I know Nick Foles is already there in Philadelphia, so he knows everybody, but there is some wind that is taken out of your sails when that happens to you at this point in the season. Like you're in the last stretch. Um, you've already formulated this mental picture of what this looks like like you you already see yourself playing in these playoff games like you've already got you know you visualize these nfc championship games with carson wentz there's a lot to be said for losing him at this point in the season we did it rehearsals it was going to be a weekly segment should they sign colin kaepernick (laughs) (laughs) and it'll come up because they're going to sign some probably guard like they'll sign somebody off the street that's not very good I don't think it'll be Colin Kaepernick. It will not be Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> so, Breaking I mean, news. It'll, it'll, Eagles do not sign Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> All right. That's it. You heard it here first. That's our, our news right should, there. They will not. Should have had a job already. Like I've been on, I'm on record with that. Like, yeah. I, don't, I, I think it's a ridiculous, you know, it's a ridiculous thing at this point, but the, 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 the writing's on the wall. They're not signing Colin Kaepernick. No, no doubt. All right. Sudfeld, their third stringer are now back up. Sweet. <laughs> Good, Good for you, for Nick Sudfeld. They'll bring in somebody else, somebody else that's out there. All right. All right, next up, the Jacksonville Jaguars playing at home. The Seahawks come to town. They dominated most of this game, and we learned that the Jags are a very real threat in the AFC. Blake Bortles had a really good game, but the unfortunate story coming out of this one was not what happened on the field, but what happened off the field after it and at the latter portions of the game. And they need to get somebody from the Seattle staff to walk Quinton Jefferson into the locker room. And and look, somebody threw something at him from the stands and it landed out. Security needs, security needs to take care of this to make sure fans should not throw things. Those fans will be ejected. So I was watching this live. I was watching Red Zone and it was coming down to the wire. I actually had taken the Jags to win at home. So there was a, there was a vested interest in this one. Right, right. Um, but it, it was getting chippy. These guys were talking all game. The Jaguars are a long, young team who like to talk a lot of trash. Seahawks, same boat. They yeah. got a lot of guys who like to tra- uh, talk. This is a, a heated rivalry that's becoming that way. Uh, these teams do not like each other. Michael Bennett takes a low blow. So some of this stuff had spilled over late in the game. And then when Quentin Jefferson gets tossed, he's walking over the side, and you heard Merrill Hodge recapping in the game. Some fans start throwing stuff at him, and he almost goes in the stands. 
and the when it was going, I was I was wondering if he really had intent to go in the stands or if he was just trying to scare somebody. Yeah. But he did look like one of those moments where you just lose your you lose where you are, you lose <laughs> like, oh, I'm in the NFL, I can't just go brawl these fans. I don't. I couldn't tell if he had completely lost it. Oh, he lost it. <laughs> so you think yeah. he was ready to go? Yeah, he was ready. He to was get ready to throw look, down. When, when you're look, the NBA is a little different because the fans are like right there. Yeah. Like, and I could really smack you if I wanted to. Speaking of which, um, just a little side story. We were at <laughs> Arkansas State. Um, this was probably 1998, and you know, one of these young dudes is there heckling us in pregame warmups, and the stands are about like you know five feet high, and he's leaning over, just talking all kind of recklessness. You know, to, to FIU and one of my teammates said, you say again, I'm going to smack you. And little dude thought it was a joke and he ran his mouth again and Darius Cook, God bless his soul, walked right over to him and smacked the fire out of him in a, in a layup line at Arkansas State. So here's my point. I've seen people lose it. He had clearly lost it. Fans, I get that you pay your money to come to the game and you have a right to say whatever you want to say. And as players, you know, we, we, for the most part, have to take it. It is our right, however, to say something back if we choose to. We, we take the fine or suspension or whatever comes with it, but we have the right to do that. Um, once a fan becomes physical mm-hmm. and you put my health in jeopardy by throwing an object at me on the field, you should be obligated to come down and fight me. <laughs> like, I think that's a good policy. Find, find the fan. Yep. Like, go get him. Like, yep. don't send him to jail. Don't put him underneath the bowels of the stadium and let him get bailed out in an hour. Right. And he gets to go home and brag. Oh, I threw a bottle at, at Danny Canoe. I'm a, like, bring his ass down on the field mm-hmm. and let him scrap. Yep. Like, that should be, if your balls, if you have balls enough to throw something at somebody at their workplace, a projectile like that, come down and fight the man. I think you got a great idea. I think they could even put a two box, like double box, like yeah. keep that fight. The game's going yeah. on. More people would be watching the double box in the side with a player fighting right. a fan. I do sometimes wish they would let the players go because some of these fans, they get, it's kind of like Twitter, the Twitter, uh, heroes, the Twitter muscles, the people flex. Yeah. Cause they, they know there's no chance you can go do anything to them. So the fans are up there throwing stuff because they know, oh, he can't do anything. Now you might get kicked out of the stadium, but this is no big deal. Their game was over. Like right. you're getting ready to leave anyway. I am with you. I, I think they should let them go. And I would love to see those fans who think they're all, you know, they're the hero yeah. in the stands, see their face when they actually had to deal firsthand <laughs> with a 300-pound defensive lineman coming at them. There was – see, the unfortunate thing about this um, was that after the game, uh, Michael Bennett, some other players were actually saying that some of the fans were throwing the racial slurs at them. And that, to me, if you get caught – if somebody and trust me, there are people around that can hear it. If he's yelling at the player and he hears on the field, I think you should not only get tossed out of the stadium. I think you should lose your tickets. Your se- if you have season tickets, yeah. banned from the stadium. Like that to me is unacceptable. And that's one where I get it. Like if Quentin Jefferson wants, like, go ahead. If somebody is, is, says throws around the N word in an NFL game, like get them out, kick them out. Like they should not be allowed back into any other NFL game. Right. I, I agree with you one hundred percent. And having played and been like the villain on most teams that I was on. I've heard just about everything yeah. and, and in a much closer proximity than, than NFL fans. And what I always say to people, because I never really had issues with going into the, the stands, like I've had a few verbal exchanges. There's a line that's crossed. Like I've heard everything there is under the sun to hear. Like same with most of these NFL pros. So when you see one of them bug out like that, it's something different. Right. Like they get this week to week. So when you see one of them have a gut reaction and the head snaps and they're ready to do something, you know someone has crossed a line and it's something that they don't hear on a week to week basis. So I, I, to your point and to their point, I firmly believe that someone was up there tossing around some, some, you know, 
colorful language as a return to race or what, what have you. Like, but there are lines that are crossed by fans and, and because there are no real ramifications for fans and they buy these tickets, you know, they think it's all well and good. Here's the deal. My job says I'm not allowed to do it. Right. Yeah. But if I want to do it and I want to face the, 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 the suspension or whatever, you better have your ass prepared. So I got one up for you. You were talking about when you were playing at FIU. Yeah. When I was at Florida State, Sean Jackson, running back, bad dude, great dude. But yeah. he was one dude you didn't want to mess with. We were playing in Chapel Hill, and some dudes were sitting. It was kind of close. It's like the first row, and they're not that far. It didn't have the huge wall that Jefferson right, had right, over right. there. Some dudes were heckling him the whole game. All of a sudden, I look back, and I see this, like, frat bro. <laughs> frat bro. <laughs> in, like, Carolina blue frat football bro. jersey. Yeah. I look back. And he's holding his chin. He's like holding his face, yeah. and he's bleeding from the lip. <laughs> Sean Jackson had gone up to him and, and punched him. him. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and right. he got like it was messed up. He, Sean, he shouldn't have ever done it. <laughs> but with probably what was said, but it was one of those things. It was like, right. yeah, and everybody like it's funny because I think Quentin Jefferson and the Seahawks going back or probably have his back. They're like, yeah, you should have gone up there. You should have right. done that. Same way we when when I was at Florida State, we were like, yeah, we had his back. Like, yeah, you should have done that. If the guys are heckling you every once in a while, it's probably acceptable. Yeah. All right, so that's what you learn from us. We think you should be able to go. Get them in the stands. That's yeah. our philosophy. Raja, Raja's implemented like ten rules yes. through ten episodes. So we have a segment called which, Raja Rules now. Which would Ra- which would save the NBA, save yes. the NFL, save any other college football. Yes. We, we, I, we'll save all the sports. Can I qualify my uh, my NBA one? Because I heard there was a little bit of beef. It was it was sexist because they're not six three women. So th- it's, no, it's, there are. I agree that there are. <laughs> um, but having said that, um, maybe for women we five make ten? it like five yeah five eight like five oh. nine like you know just Tall you know, above above your. Your average height. All right. Sounds good. All right. Next up. The Packers, who I think most people had written off, all of a sudden moved to seven and six. Still have a shot at the playoffs. No Aaron Rodgers. No problem. He practiced all week, but that was a huge game, a huge win for them. And they're going to throw it. Who has a dangerous throw? And it's a first down. The Browns jumped out early, and people were trolling the Packers saying, oh, how are you going to lose this game? And then they came roaring back. Since Aaron Rodgers has been out, they've been 3-4, and four, two straight overtime wins. Mentioned Brett Hundley real quick uh, when we were coming into that highlight. He goes off, 265 yards passing, three touchdowns. To me, I think you're seeing the emergence of a young quarterback who I loved at UCLA. Now, he dropped in the draft. I think he ended up going in the fifth round. He didn't have the top-tier arm strength, and his year, his senior year didn't live up to the hype, kind of the expectations that people thought. But he's been in the perfect situation watching Aaron Rodgers. They have a really good relationship. He's learned behind him, and he's done exactly what you would need from him, kind of keep them afloat, get them to a position where now Rod- Rodgers, who practiced with a scout team all week, if he gets back, this team could make a run. Um, yeah, good for you, Brett Hundley. And I didn't see the game. But I made the comment a few weeks ago, like, it didn't look like they trusted him. Mm-hmm. So my question is, like, the 25 or the 35 or 46, which are great, yeah. like, were they just dinking dunks and, and there was a bunch of run after catch? Or was he actually – A lot of them? No, but here's the thing. Mike McCarthy's offense is a lot of dinking No, I know. Dunks, you you told, know? Like, yeah. yeah but it's, it's similar to Andy Reid, what he gets crushed for, and Aaron Rodgers. Like, even the last play, the play of the Devontae Adams, yeah. it was a bubble-like screen pass. It was thrown behind the line of scrimmage, and then he goes for 30 yards. It's the design of the system. The most important thing you want to do in this one is have high completion percentage, which he did, 35 of 46, and you don't want to throw Turn turnovers. You don't want to throw interceptions. And I think part of the process with uh, Mike McCarthy is figuring out what Brett Hundley likes, like what what plays does he like. Right. Everybody's different. When you have Aaron Rodgers, you can, you know, he's probably going to override the coach sometimes and call what he wants to. 
But I, I see this team, and I think they're a legitimate shot. Uh, the biggest problem is they face the Panthers, who are in a similar place, playing for this uh, uh, NFC wildcard spot, and the Panthers look pretty dang good. Yeah, so here's my thing with Aaron Rodgers, and yeah. obviously there's no – it's not even a question that if he's healthy and you have a chance to make the playoffs, you, you go for it, you play him. Healing bones are tricky because if they're slightly healed yeah. and you come down on it again, it could reshatter on you. And you play two really gangster like defensive line. The Panthers get after you. Um, they get after you and so do the, so do the Vikings the week after that. Like those are two pretty good defenses. So, um, that'd just be something to, to look for, um, with Aaron Rodgers coming back. You would hope, like if I'm a GM or if I'm an organization in that position, I would hope that I get some, some less, uh, heralded defenses to bring him back just to make sure that, that he's not taking shot after shot after shot, but. Have you ever done a collar? Have you ever heard a collarbone or? No. No, I, no. I never did either. Cause I think it's a really tricky one, as you said where it's healing back together and you might feel great and he's practiced with scout team and but you never truly know if it's 100% until right. you fall on it with a 300 pounder on it. and you're going to like we saw Tony Romo deal with that where you know he thought he was back and then he goes right back to the injured reserve yeah. because you think you're healthy and you can't really test it and I don't there's I don't even think there's a way with an MRI or an X-ray to go look at it and no. tell it's just you're going to you're going to kind of have to roll, roll yeah, the dice. Yeah, the only way you test that is like you put him you lay him down and you drop a sandbag on his like his opposite right. shoulder and see if it can mistake <laughs> right. in the way, you know. Like. And then if it hurts again, then you're really screwed. All right, you mentioned it real quick. The other thing we learned is that the Panthers are just as good as we thought they were. And Cam Newton goes off, he can still get it done in the fourth quarter, a crazy play he had. Newton. Wide open. Newton! Inside the 40! Inside the 20! 62 yards! Cam Newton! So that, of course, was the Carolina Panthers. Cam Newton, they beat the Vikings in a critical NFC matchup. And I don't know if you saw that run, but Cam Newton, it's funny because he got like to the linebacker level and he didn't make like a Barry Sanders type move or an Adrian Peterson type move. He kind of just made a one cut and juke the other way and he was gone. And it doesn't look super fast, but obviously it's super effective. That's unfair. Yes. No, it's unfair for a dude to be that big and that and that damn fast. Um was that was that his zone read? Like was, was it what 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 would you describe that play as? I mean, he had it it looked like he rode yeah. with his running back for yes. a second. Yes, like, it was. That's it was an iteration of the zone read. Right? Yes, yes. All right. If any of the Western Warriors, like Pee Wee coaches, are listening, <laughs> please run the damn, please, please run the zone read because he is. He's not Cam Newton in size and stature, but he throws and he runs. And probably right. at that age, the best part of his game is, are his legs. So, yes. if you're listening, just side note. Go ahead and put that in. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? I hate watching Cam Newton play. Why? Because I love Cam Newton. Like I love. Cam Newton. So and why do you not like him play? Because he's sixty-two yard play. Is he incredible. looks so bad throwing the ball sometimes. Like his <laughs> numbers are so bad. And I asked you this a week or so ago. Like, why are they so ugly to watch? Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm not a quarterback guru or anything like that. But his, he just looks like he doesn't have like true, true, solid fundamentals when he's throwing the ball. He's on his back foot half the time. He's just relying on straight like this cannon that's on his shoulder. He reminds me of a dude, and I said it. I said it a few years ago about LeBron before 
Like LeBron has made an effort, and I hate to cross over into basketball. But no, I'll bring it. I was going to do it. You can see him round out his uh, his mid post game. Mm-hmm. He's much more efficient from the three point line. Like he's made strides in fundamental uh, things that can help you know the longevity of his career and help him be more efficient. Like he's a student of the game. And I felt for a while he may be relying on just purely being gifted as the best athlete in that sport. And I feel like Cam does that at times, and that frustrates me watching him play. You are 100% right. I think Cam Newton is the most gifted quarterback for sure and maybe the most gifted physically player in the entire NFL. There's some other freaks on defense, right. and there's some other players at wide receiver that are extremely gifted. So no doubt the NFL, uh, the quarterback position. I think he is. When I watch him play, he reminds me of LeBron physically. Like I think in LeBron, when you watch him play in the NBA separate, like he looks different yeah, than right. everybody else. Right. I think Cam Newton looks the same way. When he can make grown men look like he's playing against college players or high school players, I think you see a difference. Here's the difference. I love that LeBron wants to be the best ever. And I love the fact that he picks facets of his game and goes back and says, all right, I'm going to go back to the basket now. I'm going to work on that one year. He's going to work on his mid-range shoot. Later, he's been working on his three-point shooting. He always has something what he wants to work on. I don't see Cam Newton making any effort to work out those kinks in his fundamentals. He has never – He's always relied on that physical talent, and right. he's never worked on his skill set and his craft at saying, all right, I have all these abilities. Let me become now the best passer. Now, he's put it together at some times in the fourth quarter. He'll have great fourth quarters, his MVP uh, season. He had his best passing statistics, but he should be incrementally improving every single year. And even yesterday was a good example. He was only 13 to 25 for 137 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. You've got to be able to do more than that if you want to win a Super Bowl. I think he showed us he can carry this team to a Super Bowl. Yeah, for sure. But that, I mean, so you just summed up why, why I'm so frustrated watching them because I want him to take that next step. A, a, a talent like that, um, if, if, if you take a tool, um, and sharpen it and he's a, he's an instrument, he's a tool. Yeah. Like sharpen that skill set, bro. So like, you know, we, you can do what you should do. Like I could make the argument that they may be underachieving. Like when you're, you know what I mean? Yes. Like you have the ability to do that with your legs. You're 13 for 25. <laughs> what if you, what if you were 19 for 25 for, for 240 yards on top of that? It would be, right. you know, trust like, me. I was at a, I was in an Uber in Charlotte when I was up at the ACC championship game when Miami played right. uh, Clemson. I was in an Uber and a guy was asking me about Cam Newton and he said, he's like, I don't think he cares. About yeah. being the greatest. I think, because I think he's worried about, he's worried about what he's gonna wear. And it sounds <laughs> corny, but I think he puts more effort into his wardrobe yeah. than he does in his craft. And that is a problem. Wow. And I think he's a competitor, like when he's on the field. Yeah. But what separates the greatest of all time to be a goat is wanting to put in the work in the offseason. Mm. I don't think he wants it yet. Let's get to that work, Cam. Yeah, exactly. All right, moving on. Last night, incredible game wow. capped off. And I think he's a competitor. Ooh, what we have there? A little little shake up there, a little <laughs> echo to it. Um, let's get to last night. The Steelers, a crazy game against the Ravens. And much like Cam Newton, we learned the Steelers know how to finish games as well. Roethlisberger, deep down the right sideline. Antonio Brown. He's amazing. So the Steelers, who I think we talked about it uh, earlier this season, I thought they were a team that was about to implode. They had the controversy with the anthem. They had Antonio Brown the following week throwing water coolers. Big Ben coming into the season was already talking about uh, retirement, back-to-back seasons. Now they're out there. What are they, eight wins in a row? I think they've rattled off. They are an offensive juggernaut defensively if they struggle like they did last night, giving up 38 points. They have enough firepower. 
I'm starting to think maybe the Steelers are the best team in the AFC. Wow. Like the best team or the best Over team the besides Patriots. the Patriots? No, I, I'm looking at them. Now, I, I would, if you have, they put, cause they look like they're, they're on this, this, uh, you know, uh, collision course, collision course yeah. to face the Pats in the AFC championship game. They got a lot of weapons, a lot of weapons. And Tom Brady, as great as he is, he does not have like I'm. I'm thinking yeah. about Ben. Thinking about retiring. I'm like, is he nuts with those players right. he's throwing to? Yeah, that's crazy. He does have a bunch of weapons, right? Yeah. Um. And guess what? We get to see him next week. See the pat. Yeah, the Pats are giving up like eight points a game though over this. Like we, what is it? Like four or five game stretch? I don't. I don't know what it is, but I saw the stat this morning. I think it's like four or five games, eight points a game, and that's a defense that beginning of the season we were like, hey. It's over. Like, their defense is ridiculous. They're giving up, you know, they're the last in the league defensively. So I think they've got some things figured out. Um, the same thing that hurts the Steelers in terms of, you know, Mike, um, sorry, Mike, Mike Tomlin mm-hmm. being a player's coach, um, letting guys maybe get away with a little bit more personality than another coach would. Like, those things, when things aren't going well, can fester and become water coolers kicked and, you know, press conferences where I might throw you under the bus and stuff yeah. like that. Um, those are the same things um, that allow people to really become a family and a brotherhood. Like you get to vent those things. You get to be a personality and I get to know you. They're the same things that when things go bad at times that, you know, we can figure it out together. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. we're now brothers. We've, we've all, we all know each other. We're not just there in a company setting, doing our company role, walking the company line. We are actually bearing soul. Like I get to know you. I get to know what makes you tick. I get mm-hmm. to know what makes you angry. And, like, if you've ever had brothers or you grew up in a big family, it's not always great. Like, people right. are going to argue. People yep. are going to beef. Like, my dad and I are getting into a fight, but I still love him. Yep. Two weeks later, we're, we're father and son again, and we're, we're inseparable. And so, you know, that's what I see. They've kept most of their players together. There's not a whole lot of turnover there in Pittsburgh. Yep. Um, and these people, they're, they're themselves. They know each other, and they withstood the storm. And I see, you know, they're stronger on the other side because of it. You hit on something. I forgot about Martavis Bryant, the man in a trade. And right. then, that, you know, Ben's asked about him, and they're talking about it. That was one more thing. I think the difference in, or the, the key to having a team like that, where it is family and you can have disagreements, is veterans. Right. you got to have a guy like James Harrison who's not messing around with anybody. True. Like, he doesn't even hardly talk to the media. Or Ben Roethlisberger on the other side of the ball. Like, you have a really strong leader. On both sides of the ball, you right. got guys like Ryan Shazier, who you know is still yeah. in the hospital now. They dedicated the win to, which was a really emotional moment when they're FaceTiming with him in the hospital and showing him. I think that to me might be the reason why the Patriots are able to beat them in a shootout because he's going to be a critical uh, loss for that defense to overcome yeah. uh, if well, they get there. Is there a status on him yet? Like I found myself, my wife was asking me, and no, I yeah, it I, is one. I think he had the surgery last week, and he's still in the hospital. And they've been, the doctor's been very. And on purpose, so they don't want stuff to get out. Sure, they want to set expectations to, uh, yeah, they have not. I mean, but has it been clarified? I don't even care about football, but right. is it clarified? Will he walk? Like, is he? Is that's they, the, that's the kind of, I think so, but yeah. I'm not a hundred percent sure. They're trying to figure it out. And that's really scary. I mean, that's one of those moments when it becomes way bigger than football yeah. when you're talking about it. All right. Next up. There it is. Little delayed. That was like the hard count. That was like the one to get him to jump off sides. Uh, the Buffalo Bills and Colts, a game that really, I mean, the Bills are still kind of trying to make a late season run, but not a lot to this game other than the conditions, which was a blizzard storm out there. And, uh, listen to LaShawn McCoy had the overtime winning run. Here's McCoy breaking a tackle. McCoy into the end zone and Buffalo wins it. 
All right, so we learned that <laughs> snow games are a lot of fun to watch. I like, get yeah. on TV, it's a great product. Like my girls, my daughters don't love watching football with me. Yeah. But I was like, you got to see this. Like the guys are going, they're you know making snowmen or snow angels after the field, after the plays. They're tackling, and it looks like they're going underneath the snow. Right. I was, cr- I thought it was crazy because usually they do a pretty good job of like sweeping the field or they have the blowers that'll get it off. Yeah. It was starting to get up there where it was slowing them down. Yeah. It looked like, except it was, for LaShawn McCoy. It was like a foot of snow. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it did look like a fantastic, like it's one of those things where you on TV, you look like you want to play in it, but you don't really want to play in it. Like you ever been out in the snow and you play in out there for like an hour yeah. and you come in and like you try to get warm with some warm water and now your feet and your hands are like burning and they're swollen. That can't be fun for the players. But having said that, uh, slim shady, like you need to go have your reps go to like Dairy Queen, um, like and get you like a Blizzard sponsorship because yes. he's like the king of Blizzard games. Yeah, right? he just goes to work in snow blizzards. Yeah, he had 32 carries, 156 yards, and the game when he touched down. And oh, by the way, also against the Lions in 2013, another Blizzard game, he had 29 carries, 217 yards, and two touchdowns in that one. So he's you know they have like the horses at the track. Maybe yeah, he's a mudder or he's a guy that runs well. In yeah, the wet he's track. a snower. He's a snower. He's That's a, what he is. You, Absolutely. You take like a caricature of Slim Shady, right? And you yeah. hold him above the blizzard. <laughs> and you just have his legs start going like an old like cartoon, and you drop him in the blizzard, and they stir it up, yeah. and they hold it upside down. <laughs> there like, it is. We'll work on a video for that for at Canal and Bell. Nice. All right, yeah, nice. I like that. So I got to play. I didn't get to play him when I was a backup in one of those when I was on the Broncos. Yeah. I thought this was really messed up, though, because my wife and I had just gotten engaged at the time. Okay. And it was kind of a snowy day in Denver, all day snow. Like, it was just – it was coming down the entire day. It was a night game. I think it was Sunday night or Monday night football. We're playing the Raiders, big rivalry game. Everybody's talking about it. We had a good team. And I'm like, my wife would usually go to the games. I'd be like, are you going to go to the game? Right. And she looked at me and kind of hesitated. <laughs> and I was like, wait a second. She's like, well, if you were playing, I would go. She's like, but you're not. You're kind of a scrub. So I'm going to sit here. So literally, she sat at home in front of the fireplace. and I had like a gorgeous style. condo. You could see the stadium. And she told me after the fact, she's like, if something would have happened and you would have gone in, yeah. I would have come to the game. Because it was like 10-minute ride. Right. I was like, there was no chance she was moving from that couch in front of the fireplace. <laughs> No chance she was doing How late, that. Did you have – was that a fun environment? Being there – Oh, loved it, yeah. You did? It was great. It was All a backup because right. I had the jacket on and I had the yeah, mom. Yeah, you were like, warm. Boy, yeah, and right. the heated benches and everything, so I was just <laughs> fine. There are there are different types of conditions and different types of snow. And there can be very dry snow where it doesn't affect the football. Right. Then it's a ton of fun. The thing when it gets hard, and this is a quarterback's worst nightmare in any condition, it's when it gets slippery. Because then you can't grip the football. Yeah. Although now with gloves, the technology in gloves is insane. Because they're sticking now almost to the point. All right, go ahead. You, All right, it's like, a beef I'm with sorry. me, too. It is a beef with mine. Yeah. I, I Look, I, I didn't play like that. Like, I didn't play football. My dad played football. But, like, catching the ball is an art. Like, it's, it's your hands. You have to learn how. The gloves now have, they're basically stick them, <laughs> yes. like, for your hands. That is, it should be illegal that you. I don't even know what to say other than that. It's ridiculous. These things are so tactified that you can – if you drop a ball with those gloves on, you need not be in the NFL. <laughs> you are right. It bothers me too. I think the – because Stick'em used to be an unfair advantage. These are more effective than Stick'em. Right. The gloves that they, they have nowadays. So all these one-handed grabs that you're seeing – very often I leave unimpressed. Now, yeah. Odell Beckham makes it with three fingers. It's like I don't care about the gloves. Like, right. They're still Correct. growing. But a lot of these catches that you see one-handed grabs, I'm with you. It's an unfair advantage. They're like magnets. Yes, it's an unfair advantage. All right, let's do uh, – we got a lot of stuff we learned from the NFL. Let's do some stuff from baseball. So we're talking baseball, baseball. with Rajah Bell. It's my favorite topic. Baseball. So, of course, we're in the offseason. 
Side note, I was at the uh, New York City airport last night at JFK flying back here. Ran into Aaron Boone. Shout out to Aaron Boone, okay, who's the b- brand new manager of the New York Yankees. Talked to him. We used to see each other at ESPN a lot. First thing I said to him was, man, you got to be pumped up. Because first of all, you're named the manager of the New York J- Yankees, right. one of the premier franchises in all of sports. But then not only that, you had a pretty stacked team. And they just came became one of the toughest lineups as far as offense goes in the history of Major League Baseball because you're going to add Giancarlo Stanton from the Marlins. And by the way, he had, this type of money is silly money. $295 million contracts he's got, he's got over the next 10 yep. years. The Yankees are going to pick up 265 mil of that. Giancarlo Stanton had a ton of leverage because he had a no-trade clause in there. So they wanted to move him to the Giants. Cardinals probably would have gotten more for him. And he's saying, no, I don't want to go play in St. Louis. I don't right. want to go to St. I want to go to a premier market. So he says Dodgers or Yankees. And the Yankees are the ones that end up doing it. This lineup is going to be a super team. Basically, what you're seeing are the Warriors of Major League Baseball. So just a refresher, this is the sport where they like take the ball, they throw it in the goal with the stick. <laughs> no, just, just, right? no, no, like, look, I, I'm not, a, I'm not a baseball fan. I'll watch the playoffs. Um, when you put together a lineup, like, cause I watch for home runs. Yeah. I don't, I'm not a purist, so I don't watch for pitching battles and like, like hot corner stops at third base and, and like double plays. I watch for bombs. I watch for guys getting up there and like, and, and, and knocking it out of the park. And I don't, I don't know if it's legal. This shouldn't be legal. Like in the NBA, like you got to devise a super team, but there is like caps involved. Like, so guys have to, you have to take a little bit less. I got to take a little bit less. Right. You know, Debo's got to take a little less. Like you can just, because of the Yankees and you got to explain it to me, like because you can afford and you've got all this money and you're the, like the, the number one franchise in the world, possibly like you yeah. can just get whoever the hell you want. You can pay any amount of money to have whoever spend you want away, spend away. Now they got some taxes. There, there is a luxury tax. Yeah. They got is the there? luxury tax, right. yeah, but the Yankees are like, who cares? Who cares about it? Right. We'll just cut those checks left and right. Now it's the interesting thing about this is Derek Jeter, the new owner of the Marlins. He's getting killed. Well, see, I was in New York again. I was in New York for the Heisman doing some work up there and I was watching local New York coverage. And by far the consensus opinion was, Derek Jeter just got fleeced by Brian Cashman, the GM who was the GM while he was there, right. saying they got the best of this deal. And it's true because Jeter really had no leverage because Stanton was saying, I'm only going to two places. Right. That's, that's, that hurt Jeter. But what people here believed from the jump, like the people, um, that were realists was that he was going to come in and strip this thing down to its bare bones anyway. Right. Cause his group apparently, like, I, I don't, to not know baseball, I know a little bit, but they, they didn't have the pockets to be able to keep up what's going on with the Marlins right now. So they had to dump a bunch of salary and essentially start from scratch. So having said that, it really didn't matter what he got for Giancarlo. He just needed to get rid of Giancarlo and the $296 million. All right, let's get to uh, something you're familiar with. Yeah. All right? Yeah, what? It's the topic. No, because not that you're not familiar with baseball. You just did an excellent uh, Thank you. Thank uh, you. excellent Thank breakdown you. of the Florida Marlins, uh, Miami Marlins. Um, flopping. <laughs> it's been something. There are actually videos out there. People on YouTube have created videos, uh, uh mashups of you yeah. doing various floppings. Yeah, the Raja flop. Yeah, the Raja yeah, flop. Yeah, the Mavs did one. Yeah, the yeah. Raja flop. Now, Boogie Cousins is not a fan of flopping. He, uh, had some, some thoughts on it as he put a, he had a monster game the other night, 40 points, 22 rebounds against the Nuggets. But post game, 
He was upset about Mason Plumley, who is a pretty good flopper in his own right. He never even made contact with him. It was one of those air flops. It was pretty bad. So uh, Boogie Cousins said after, it kind of sucks. The competitive spirit of basketball is slowly leaking out. Taking pride in one-on-one defense is slowly leaking out. It's more about selling calls and flopping, so you just kind of ignore the BS and just play your game. Is he right? Um. He did the rush of flop. The rush of flop. That's, that's the Rajah flop right there. Mark Cuban and the math should have been fined for that. Can we re- can we retroactively go back and find over that? Oh, that's outstanding. Um, look, Bug, I, I, yeah, there is some flopping going on in the NBA. Yeah. Um, however, I did take a lot of pride in my individual man-to-man defense. Like that's that's what I did. Uh, they're different kind of flops. Like I was never a guy. If you didn't make contact with me, like I wasn't a guy trying to get you kicked out of a game for throwing an elbow that you didn't hit me with. Like I, I wouldn't flop, but. You know, my argument to a ref was always, if a guy hits me in the chest squarely, um, why can't I go down? Like, if, if he illegally, you know, hits me in the chest and I'm in a legal guarding position, I'm allowed to go down. It doesn't make it a flop. Like, there was enough contact there. Who, who is deciding how much force I have to stay there and take a hit with? Do you understand what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, like, for sure. Like, sure, I could not ever fall down if I didn't want to fall down. That doesn't mean it wasn't an offensive foul. So... Given enough contact, as a defender, I have to go down. Otherwise, I'll never get a call. I don't see that as a flop. Now, if you come within four inches of me, don't make contact, and I lay down, that's a flop. But if you dip your shoulder into me, you know, I don't care if it's at 50%, 75%, or 100%, and I go down, that's an offensive foul if I'm in a legal guarding position. I don't see that as a flop. But do you see flopping as a problem like Boogie's talking about? If, like, the fines obviously have been implemented, is it something that should, we should try to eradicate from the NBA? I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, uh, I, I, I don't think it's unique to the NBA. Like, I think flopping is an issue in the NFL. I see these quarterbacks now, sure. they get hit, they throw themselves down, they, they have a flag. I see, I see soccer players flopping, like, <laughs> All the you time. know, it's ridiculous. So I think flopping is a cultural thing. I think, you know, if, if, unless you're going to Unless you're going to find every single time, and the NBA has been terrible with it. They've been awful. Like, their flopping is purely subjective. Like, there's no way to quantify, like, how strong Danny Cannell is. Mm-hmm. So, like, if this bottle of water hits Danny Cannell in the chest, he shouldn't flop. But, like, this cup full of, of coffee is enough to make him fall down. It's purely a subjective thing. You can't find on it. So, dude, get over it and play basketball. <laughs> I love it. Can I ask you about maybe your most famous flop? Yeah. The Manu one? The Manu flop. That was, that was a double flop. Double flop. It's a <laughs> yes. double flop. There's a video of that on YouTube. That, yeah. Yes. <laughs> That was that was one of those where like I know he's gonna flop like because he brought that he brought that ish to the NBA right we, there wasn't a whole lot of like these Europeans he, blame the international he, players no Manu and great we shared an agent like I love Manu <laughs> but he brought that like head thrown back uh, soccer flopping to the NBA so it's all soccer's fault when when you get into a, a battle with him like it's like flopper be flopped. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, listen, we both at the same time were like flopper be flopped. So I think it's, I'm okay with it because I feel like it's a nuanced part of the game and yeah. it can become an art form. It is an art like form. You had it sure. down to if you can do it. Shane successfully. Battier, like now the, I think if you get caught doing it, you should be fine. Yeah. Like, and it's not, it's not a huge fine. It's a slap yeah. on the wrist. Right. But you know, if you, if you do it and you do it on, cause you don't want guys who are awful at flopping to do it all the time. It'll right. slow down the game. You'll have calls that are going on. But I feel like it's the same as you said. If I'm a quarterback or a punter or kickers are the worst. Yeah, if anybody comes near them, they're like falling down and they right. grab their legs. They'll fake injuries. Sure. I was doing a college game this year uh, at Utah, and the kicker got like a guy touched his toe. 
And he went down and like the medical staff came out and I was talking to my play by play. I'm like, he's coming back in the game. There's no chance that yeah. he was hurt. And sure enough, he goes out, but they got the penalty to go against him. It's, and it's, I see it like as framing a pitch. If you're a catcher, like there's an art form. There are little things that are nuanced in sports that I'm okay with that kind of become a fine tuned part of the game that if you're good at it, yeah. you can use to your advantage. Agreed. Um, here's, here's the beef and you touched on it just a second ago. And this is what I always had a problem with was the flop. And it probably happens to boogie a lot, but Manu and I had another situation where, you know, something happened and Manu flopped and they went back and looked at it. I think it was like an elbow or something. And when that happens, I can get kicked out of the game, right? If yeah. you flop on an elbow and boogie is typically involved in stuff like this, you flop on an elbow that wasn't meant to hit you and you sell it. Like you just got your nose broken <laughs> and they kick me out of the game and find me. That's money out of my pocket. Yeah. So I don't mind like trying to gain a competitive advantage with, with, with selling a call. Like that's all well and good. But when you're getting people kicked out of games, um, and, and, and potentially suspended and taking food off of their plate, and you know damn well it wasn't like that, like, I, I don't agree with it. This website that I've never heard of, <laughs> the Sportster, yeah. has Raja ranked as the eighth worst flopper of all time. Eighth worst. Now, so is that, that a compliment? Eighth, 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 eighth best. Eighth biggest flopper. Who, who's number eighth. one? Uh, Vlad Vivats. Damn. Could you <laughs> nice. go down the list real quick? Yeah, I would be just so it. fascinated to hear what All they. Right, let me go. Vladi number one. Bill Lambeer number two. Manu. <laughs> three. Yeah. Three. Uh, Danny Ainge. Anderson Verjal. Reggie Miller. Uh, Derek Fisher is right above you, and then Shane Battier's. I'm in good not. company. Yeah. That is really yeah, good, that's company. good company. Those are all great all players. Right, yeah, I enough. think there is an art fair form enough. to Thank it. you. What's those, it? What's uh, the website? Sports 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 sports. Shout out the sports. <laughs> Shout out, baby. All right. all right, let's get Debo involved. By the way. Eric has been killing it on social media. If you don't follow us, follow us at Canel and Bell on Twitter. He's put out some great videos, uh, some great comments. He's silencing the haters yep. in a way that kill I really appreciate. Yeah, kill him with <laughs> kindness and a little snark, <laughs> a little sarcasm in there too. I have like a defender. I like it because I got somebody watching my back on Twitter. I need that because people uh, either love me or hate me. Most of me hate me on Twitter. Uh, let's get you in here, though, with some topics. What do you got for us? Yeah, all right. So, Danny, on Friday's show, you talked about the end of your career and how it ended with the Broncos. Raja, you've talked about the end of your career with the Jazz and your guy, yeah. Ty Corbin. And Shout how out. Things didn't Shout really out, Ty Corbin. End well there. Yeah. So, Rafael Pomero doesn't think his career ended well, but his career ended in 2005. And now, as a 53-year-old, he says he's working on a comeback. You guys, you guys got anything left? <laughs> 53. 53. 53, he's thinking about coming. I covered his son at NC State as a baseball player. Yeah. His son's playing right now. And I, th- I don't know if he's in the big thing. He's in the minor leagues. He had the sweetest swing ever. I think he might be able to do it. Oh, my God. As it could because oh of my baseball. God. The uniqueness oh of my baseball God. and the DH. You're killing me. All you have to do is hit. And he's got one of the smoothest swings ever. When I was little, I used to be so jealous because lefties always look better. But Rafael Palmero had the prettiest baseball swing I think we've ever seen. Him and Ken Griffey, Ken Griffey Jr. Julio Franco, the oldest hitter in MLB history, 49 years old. See? Uh, I'm telling you, there might be a chance. Okay, that's my baseball, like lack of baseball awareness coming in. But I'll tell you like this. I got invited to play in a in like a pickup. I don't play basketball a lot. Right. I play golf if I'm playing anything. Um, a pickup basketball game on Sunday morning at Western Regional Park. We were playing four-on-four four half court. Uh, we played for about 
two hours. I couldn't walk for three days. <laughs> like, I couldn't walk for three days. My feet hurt. I threw my back out a little bit. My groins were sore. Like, yeah. there's, I've got nothing in my I think tank. the NBA is one where it'd probably be the hardest sport to go longer because it's the most taxing on your body. The NFL, the only positions you'll see do it are quarterback because you right. can protect yourself, punter and kicker, like, and maybe a long snapper. But any other position, I don't think you'll see ever see a guy challenge like Brady's going to or bland up some right. all-time uh, longevity records that are out there. So, I, uh, But Paul Merrow, I think the, the thing that's interesting about it is because the way he exited the game, which was being uh, suspended for testing positive steroids, everybody and their brother would say, oh, he's, well, we know how he's doing it. Right. Which, hey, you made your bed. you got to sleep in it. Yeah. Rasha, would you ever play in the big three if approached? Would I ever play in the big three if approached? Um, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I don't I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Did you but know something? I don't know. Did they have I don't know. No, but the thing you about it. You had a better it, career than the guys. Yeah, well, I don't know. But see, here's the thing. Like, if you just get out of bed and go play basketball, you're going to be sore. But I yeah. bet if you trained and slowly started to work your body into shape, you could be a lot closer. A couple years ago when Mike D'Antoni got the job in Houston, like, I congratulated him and so on and so forth. And we had a couple conversations. Like, and I started training again to get back in shape. And it started – it took me about a month to really get over the, the soreness and the hurt. And then I got to a good point. I still don't think it was good enough to play in the NBA, but my body wasn't hurting anymore. Um, so I could probably play in the big three if I trained for it. I just – you know, I, I just enjoy being around my family and stuff now. Like, yeah. so I, I, I don't <laughs> yeah. know how I want to do that. Right. LeBron James and the Cavaliers going well. But it wasn't a little bit ago, and Isaiah Thomas wasn't on the court. Should return maybe January, maybe right around the All-Star break. But to envision playing with Isaiah Thomas, which LeBron James has not done yet, he's been playing 2K <laughs> to kind of simulate it. Is I love this it. A viable option. I love it. Yeah. I don't know it's, I don't know if it's viable. I don't, I don't, no, I don't. Um, but I love, the fact that LeBron will look for any competitive edge and advantage he can get and, and thinking outside the box. I don't think enough people do that. Everybody is stuck and in, in, in just the way it's been and this is how it's got to be. It's not. Like you take every opportunity to, to try to, uh, to try to be ahead of the curve and he does that. And so these games are so good now. I said to my dad a couple years ago when we were sitting there watching my sons play, um, college football for, from EA Sports, right? Yeah. Um, and they were teaching them as a tutorial, offensive tutorial. And it was teaching you how to run a zone read, like what you're looking for, the, the defensive end crashing down. And it was teaching them what do you do against a cover two, like what routes will be open against. Like that is stuff that is invaluable to kids. Like you, So, yeah, there are advantages to playing those games, and, and he might have gained one. I think in football, I've, I've, and I've talked to some college guys, Teddy Bridgewater, when I uh, talked to him when he was at Louisville, he used to say he played, you know, um, Madden or what, you know, any other video game to try yeah. to, to try to help him in this thought process. I am with you. I, I think, I don't know if it helps, but I mean, we rave about virtual reality. Now right. that's different. I, I don't know if you've ever put one of those on. Those are dope. You are like you're in a huddle and you are actually seeing the exact same things. Now the video games are, they have come a super long way of what you're seeing and what you're playing, but I think the virtual reality, at least you can drop back. You can maybe make a throwing motion. Right. If you're just hitting buttons, I don't know how that translates to, all right, I'm going to see that guy and throw it and right. pull the trigger that way. I think it's a little bit different. Well, but I mean, playing the, like looking at the playbook. Maybe not for a pro, but like for, like, and so for, and LeBron's, like, I, again, I don't know if it'll work. He may have found it. He might, who knows? But like for a kid who knows nothing about football, let's say, right? Like yeah. as a seven year old, <laughs> if he's learning through EA sports, what throws conceptually should be open against said defense. Like, 
I just, when we played back then, like there was none of that. Like you, no one taught me what to look for, you know, when, when I saw like this in pick and roll and they'll teach you that in like an EA sports game. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. Are you a gamer? I'm not. I was never either, but no. a bunch of guys in the NBA and the NFL and, oh. and they all the, a lot of professional athletes, that's all they do in the hotel. Like, like when we had curfew, it wasn't because guys were out partying. It was because they were all playing games. I know. Like it was in the rooms. I knew I was old when I got traded to Charlotte and we had our holiday party and it was at the downtown, like big movie theater. And I went in there like not knowing what to expect. And MJ had rented this whole place out for guys to play video games on a movie screen. <laughs> that was and I, I was Were like, I'm too old. you guys that ever paid attention to your matting or 2K no. ratings? <laughs> no. I know mine were pretty embarrassing. <laughs> like I was super slow. And I was average, like it was kind of like average, maybe to below average, which was probably fairly, fairly accurate. I was never one that was going to get all upset that I didn't have a 98 because I kept it real. Well, <laughs> <All right. laughs> Raja's flop rating though. Yeah, we know that has was to off, be the off the charts. Yep. For sure. All right. Good to see you back, man. Oh, good, good to be, to be back. back. Glad you're feeling a little bit better. Uh, that's a wrap for Monday episode 10, 10 already. Oh. Yeah, we're in the double digits now. Make sure you head over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe and download. Leave us a five star review. Ask us a question on there. We'll get to those Wednesdays. Usually we're going to get to those questions. Ask us anything you want. Probably not something about the NBA or the NFL or college football. Ask something about our careers, anything you want to know. Uh, you can find us on Google Play. We've had a lot of people say, hey, where else can we find you? Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, pretty much anywhere there are podcasts, you can find us. Make sure to follow us at Canel and Bell. we got a huge show Wednesday. Special guest lined up, the Lane Train. Lane Kiffin going to join us from Florida Atlantic on Wednesday. So make sure you check us out. Uh, and thanks for listening. See you.